It's your ultimate goal in parenting to lead your children to Jesus, but you aren't sure how to do that? Do you struggle with having natural conversations with your kids about God without sounding preachy or awkward? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. This is part one of How to Lead Your Child to Christ. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Just a quick warning for our listeners with little ones who love Santa and the Easter Bunny. This is an episode to listen to without them. Before we get started on today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names. To help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day, every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives. Well, Ginger, I am so excited about today's topic because despite what I thought before I had kids, parenting isn't really that easy. And it's especially hard for Christian parents whose deepest desire is for our children to follow Christ and to live with Him in eternity. But they just have little minds of their own, and they Mm -hmm. don't always desire to willingly follow where their Christian parents want to lead them. So I guess this is a pretty important topic, arguably the most important topic we can address as Christian parents. It is a very important topic because, you know, what Christian parent doesn't long for their children to know Jesus? It is the single most important decision our kids will ever make. When children truly know and love Jesus, it not only affects their perspective on who they are and what they do during this life, but it also gives them assurance of where they're going to spend eternity. So their very souls are at stake. J.C. Ryle in his book, The Duties of Parents, says this, and I know I've quoted it before, but I just think it's so good. I want to quoted again on, on this episode. Um, he says, train with this thought continually before your eyes that the soul of your child is the first thing to be considered. And every step that you take about them and every plan and scheme and arrangement that concerns them, do not leave out that mighty question. How will this affect their souls? Mm-hmm. Our ultimate goal in everything we do as parents should be to point our children to Christ. You know, it's so easy 
for us to get caught up in the here and now and concern ourselves with our kids' education and whether or not they're going to rebel if we don't parent them well and who they're going to marry when they get older and how they're going to make a living. And, you know, sure, those those are valid concerns, but in light of where they're going to spend eternity, those things pale in comparison. Well, this is admittedly very hard during the tantrum phase of our kids' lives, <laughs> as well as the hormonal phase. Those are two really difficult phases to keep an eternal perspective. Sure, I get that. But even with that, in the grand scheme of things, all of those things actually don't amount to a hill of beans. Now, I know that some of the tough phases our kids go through, like tantrums, uh, seem like they're never ending and like they're going to last forever. But in reality, and in light of eternity, we're all here today and gone tomorrow. It's the kingdom of God that's eternal. So it's the kingdom of God that matters most. And you know, I don't know of any verse that puts our earthly priorities and concerns and all the things that we fret over into perspective, as well as James 4, verse 14. And that says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I think at first blush, this verse could seem kind of fatalistic if we took it out of context and didn't examine it in light of other scriptures and let scripture interpret scripture. But I just love how Jesus said in Matthew 10, 30, that even the hairs of our head are numbered. It's not that God doesn't value our life and therefore tells us that we're as temporary as the mist. Instead, he wants us to know that we are eternal beings who will spend eternity either with him or apart from him. And so we need to keep that eternal perspective as we're parenting and dealing with day-to-day struggles. Mm, that's exactly right, Katie. That's good. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that into this. And you know, but back to it it may seem like it sometimes when we're dealing with the day-to-day struggles, but we're we're really not in this life very long mm. in comparison to eternity, which is why we need to heed God's counsel in Colossians 3, 2, and set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. And as we keep an eternal Christ-centered perspective, we live with a sense of urgency that nothing is more important than our children's salvation and their decision to follow Jesus, not who they marry, not which career path they choose, not how many kids they have, not where they're going to choose to live or anything else. It's not what they do in this life that matters. It's what they do with Jesus in this life that matters, Mm. because that's going to set the course for how they live their lives here on earth and determine where they're going to spend eternity. That's why we know that the greatest need our children have is to be born again. And because our greatest priority as parents is for our children to come to Christ, we long for the day of our children's salvation. There are no sweeter words for a parent to hear than, Mommy, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. And of course, as parents who desire God's abundant life for our kids, we should be overjoyed to hear those words. But as wise shepherds of their hearts, we also need to be discerning and cautious because leading them to Christ involves much more than guiding them in a simple prayer. It is so tempting to jump on their natural childlike curiosity as true conversion, which of course is entirely possible. But I like that you encourage us as their shepherds to be discerning and cautious. We shouldn't think of salvation as if it's a conveyor belt that good Christian parents put their children on at a certain age. 
there was a time in my own childhood when we attended a church where that was the case. So all the kids of a certain age went through the motions and were baptized. And I have to tell you that I'm so thankful that my parents left that church and took me to a place where my eyes were opened to the gospel for the first time. I heard the gospel. My heart was changed by the sovereign work of God, and I believed in him, truly believed in him for the first time. I became painfully aware that church attendance, Bible reading, and some hoops I jumped through in middle school were not the same as God removing my heart of stone and giving me a heart of flesh. Mm, that's right, and that that's a that's a very common testimony, and it just goes to show you that it's not about having our kids go through the motions of a repeat after me prayer. It's not about going through the motions of having them baptized by a certain age and just checking those things off of our list. No, it's living an example before them of what it means to actually seek Jesus and fellowship with Jesus and walk with Jesus on a daily basis. It's teaching them God's viewpoint in every situation. It's demonstrating forgiveness. It's asking forgiveness. It's living, breathing, and adoring the Word of God and His presence in our lives in front of our children every single day. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. That means that we are to know the Word of God and speak the Word of God so often to our children that it's done in a, a very natural and conversational and relational manner. You guys have heard me say this, talking to our children about Jesus, about who He is and what He's done and what He continues to do for us, it's not a formal or strict or legalistic way of teaching. It's a way of life that is to constantly be on our hearts and our minds and our tongues. I think this is why scripture memory is so important for us to do with our children, because if I'm hiding God's word in my heart, I'm much more likely to have a ready response for the difficult questions they will ask. So one of my kids recently asked why God would create us if he knew we would sin against him. And mm-hmm. I, I wasn't aware that I would need a degree in theology to be a mom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. well, I guess I don't need it, but I, I really would love it sometimes. Uh, it's amazing some of the th- questions that they can ask. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to be so young and naive, kids can definitely ask some theologically hard to answer humdingers. That's right. <laughs> Our pastor does a Q&A every Wednesday night. And Not too long ago, he actually did one that was just for children. And man, you just would not believe some of the questions that those kids came up with. It was just, it was so impressive. One of the kids asked, does God love Satan? Mm. I mean, you know, that's a pretty deep question for a 10-year-old. I don't think I would have thought to ask that. Something else that is so important as we're seeking to lead our children to Christ is to, like you just said, Katie, to memorize Scripture. Mm -hmm. Having our children hide God's Word in their hearts is powerful because it's the Holy Spirit working through the Holy Word of God that causes our children to acknowledge that they are sinners and to even recognize their need for Jesus. But here's the caution as far as how badly we want our children to come to Christ. We need to be very careful to not offer them a premature assurance of their salvation. Of course, we hope for our children's salvation, but we don't want to allow our hopefulness to usher in a false sense of security. If we're too quick to grab and to hold on to simple words from their mouths that don't reflect a change in their hearts, we could hinder them from experiencing a genuine conversion. 
Now, of course, we want peace of mind when it comes to our children's salvation, but we don't want to deceive or mislead our children into a false sense of salvation just for the sake of our own peace of mind. Our kid's salvation isn't something that we just check off our list with a sigh of relief. It's not a stamp on a passport to be folded up and tucked away until it's needed at a later time. It's their very destiny. It's their very lives. It's a genuine conversion from death to life, both now in this present life and forevermore. It's not just a fleeting prayer that's to be repeated. Uh, It's It's a real understanding that Jesus is Savior and Lord and that He died for our sins and rose again so that through Him, we can come to the Father and have eternal life. And when our children really understand that and believe that and accept that to the point that it changes them, that's when we know that there's been a genuine conversion. Now, does that mean that once there's been a genuine conversion, they're never going to sin again and never going to make poor choices again? No, of course, that's not what it means. But when someone truly knows and loves the Lord and has fellowship with Him, we will see the fruit of God working in their lives. We will see a difference. We will see a desire to follow and please God. I just love that, Ginger. One of my kids in particular has really struggled with fighting sin and the desire to do things that are contrary to what the Bible teaches. And my encouragement to this child is good. I'm glad this is a struggle for you Mm. because if you weren't struggling, it's probably because you wouldn't have that conviction. Mm -hmm. And then I'm quick to point out that I struggle every day as well. I just love what 2 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11 says. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. And I think the point here is for that indignation, alarm, and desire for justice to apply to the sin in our own hearts. So I think most of us in this world are great at experiencing outrage and indignation (laughs) with regards to the sins of others, but true conversion means that we have ongoing godly sorrow first and foremost for our own sin. And our kids will notice that. They'll notice when we rage about the person who cut us off in traffic, but stay quiet when we do the same thing to someone else. I can't remember where I heard this, but I'm always convicted by this thought. We judge others according to their actions, but we judge ourselves according to our intentions. Mm, That is so true. What it all boils down to is the speck and the plank. That's it. Matthew 7, 3 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I know why. It's because we're sinners. And as sinners, we'd rather focus on someone else's sin instead of our own. And that applies to young and old. As parents, we're just basically big sinners showing little sinners where we can all go for help. <laughs> and we want to pray for God to give us wisdom and discernment in how we go about doing that. So yes, we want to point our children to the forgiveness and saving grace of Jesus. Yes, we want to encourage them in a personal relationship with Jesus. But we also need to use some discernment and caution by allowing God to move in their hearts in His timing for salvation, not ours. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. 
Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. A well-respected pastor once stated that he could lead almost any child under the age of 10 to make a profession of faith in Christ. Mm. Now, this pastor wasn't boasting about his abilities. He was making a point about the naivety of children. And I know how he does it. He stands there after his sermon and says, I know you're all hungry, but we're going to keep singing more verses of just as I am until someone <laughs> comes down to this altar. <laughs> I'm kidding, y'all. That's just a little bit of Baptist humor. <laughs> oh, speaking, oh, speaking of Baptist humor, I have a funny story about an altar call that happened. My, my dad told me the date, 1973. So my dad was 14 years old at the time, and Billy Graham had come to Atlanta's Fulton County Stadium to preach for six nights. Well, my dad was there one of those nights and was stirred by the Holy Spirit to respond to the preaching of the gospel by Reverend Graham. So he made his way to the altar in this stadium that held, I think at the time, it was roughly 60,000 people. Those who have known my dad for some, any length of time, really know that he has a terrible sense of direction. So it's something I actually share <laughs> with my dad so I can commiserate, but I also tease him about it. Well, my dad made his way to the altar during that pivotal moment in his life and in his walk with God, but he got lost. Literally. He got lost in the stadium while trying to find the <laughs> altar. So he decided 
you know, the, I guess the logical thing for him to do was to follow someone else who was making their way to the altar. But the trouble is that person ended up in the bathroom. (laughs) So did my dad. (laughs) Oh, that is hilarious. He never did find the altar that night. He said he just made his way to the bus instead. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. Oh my goodness. I have laughed about that story I think almost every day since my dad told it to us, he hadn't even told my mom that story until recently, probably because he thought we would all tease him about it unmercifully. And he's not wrong (laughs) because we've gotten a lot of mileage out of that story. I'm sure. Thankfully though, Ginger, that evening wasn't a metaphor for my dad's Christian walk. He's been an amazing example to me of what it means to walk with the Lord. God has been with my dad, even when he found himself accidentally in the bathroom instead of the altar at a Billy Graham crusade. (laughs) Well, Jesus does meet we meet us where we are. He does. He does do that. Okay, I'm sorry. I got us off track. Uh, but I thought our listeners would enjoy a chuckle at my sweet daddy's expense. By the way, I did call and ask him if I could share that story. He's a great, he's a really great sport. Anyway, back to what you were saying about children being easily manipulated to believe what trusted adults will tell them. Ginger, what that pastor said about being able to lead almost any child to make a profession of faith in Christ is frightening and I think it's right on. So just consider how many children wholeheartedly believe in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. It's really not very hard to convince them of that. And especially when our American version of Christianity sometimes presents God as if he was some cosmic Santa Claus. What child wouldn't want to believe in that? Mm-hmm. That's a really great point. Children are so easily persuaded into believing uh, that Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny are real, and they can be just as easily deceived about the state of their souls. Most young kids will respond to a smooth-talking, convincing adult with very little prompting, uh, just because that's their nature. They're trusting. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to their faith in God, a mere verbal profession is very different from a true life-changing conversion. Exactly. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Anyone can say they believe, but many are deceived by their own hearts. So, Ginger, what what do we do as discerning Christian parents? Well, a Christian parent needs to understand the difference between a profession and a conversion. A profession is is declaring your faith. A conversion is demonstrating or living out your faith. In other words, profession is talking the talk and conversion is walking the walk. Ooh, let's camp out there for a minute, Ginger, because, man, that's a great way to put it. Can you say that again? Yeah, profession is talking the talk and conversion is walking the walk. Mm. Children who grow up in a Bible-believing, Jesus-exalting church have witnessed the power of God in the lives of others, and they trust their parents. So they trust in their parents' confidence that God is real. They've listened to the truths of God's Word preached in church Sunday after Sunday. So it's no wonder that they believe in God and know exactly how to profess that belief. But it's dangerous to assume a child is saved simply because he has a knowledge of Scripture and professes his belief in God. It's not wise to offer assurance to a child based on their knowledge alone. So here's the thing. When it comes to salvation, understanding the naivety of our children, the hopefulness we have as parents, and the crafty schemes of the great deceiver can help us to be sober-minded and keep us from risking the precious and tender souls of our kids. Now, I'm not saying that a young child can't experience a true conversion. What I am saying is that we should be very careful to consider the intellectual immaturity of children and how that plays a part in their readiness to understand and receive Jesus. I'm also not saying that we should put 
them off every time they want to talk about salvation and baptism until they're older. No, we need to seize every opportunity to point them to Jesus and to talk about Jesus. It's our responsibility to help them understand their need for Christ and to urge them to come to Christ now and to not delay, because we know that a heart that rejects the prompting of the Holy Spirit can become hardened to respond in the future. So we want to encourage them to recognize the temptation to put off accepting Christ until later, because that is a foolish and dangerous gamble, because we're not promised tomorrow. Now, I know pastors are often criticized for using that as a scare tactic, but to live apart from Christ is scary, not just because of the reality of hell for all eternity and the torture and misery that entails, but because of the hopelessness and the tragedy it is to live one single day without God in our lives. We are created by God for God. So every minute we spend without God is a wasted minute. So We don't want in any way to encourage our children to put off trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord because that would give the devil a foothold with their tender hearts. But again, we don't want them to have a false sense of salvation either. I like the way Marty Machowski says it in his little booklet called Leading Your Child to Christ. It's one of those free booklets that they put out at the church, and I grabbed every single topic they Mm -hmm. had. Yeah, I love his stuff. I love love anything he writes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he says this, while you can't thwart a true conversion by responding cautiously, You can give a child false assurance. I thought that was really helpful. And then later he says this, as they see the gospel change us us into kinder, gentler, more patient people, the Spirit uses this to give them hope that God can also change them as they come to Him through faith in Jesus. Mm, Yeah, and the point to all of that is that it takes more than just believing to be a child of God. Mm. Satan himself and all the demons of hell believe in God. They're way more, have way more sense than the atheist. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And, you know, I love that, that the demons don't just believe, they shudder. They're scared because they know how this whole thing ends. They know that Jesus has the victory. But until the final defeat of Satan and all his evil and all his demons, he's going to do his best to destroy and take down as many with him as possible. And let me just add, yeah, I could totally tell that he was thoroughly ticked off every time I tried to set aside time to work on this episode. No joke. Yes. yes, it was it was unbelievable. But you know, he doesn't want us to do an episode on how to lead your child to Christ. Now he was fine when I was working on the episode on uh, booger eaters. He had no problem with that. <laughs> But boy, you start trying to work on an episode on how to lead your child to Christ, and he was all over me. But try as he might, he's a loser, because greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. That's John, uh, 1 John 4, 4. I simultaneously love and am absolutely terrified by that verse in James, because it's just a reminder that so many will be deceived. So many will claim to know him on earth, but will ultimately spend eternity apart from him. Hmm. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is such a cheerful transition. <laughs> what are you doing? I know, it's just like hell, damnation. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Yeah, okay, we need that. Yes, we, yes. Keep it upbeat. Go ahead. Okay. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, it's that we weren't meant to live in isolation. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Eunice in Florida. 
She says, do rock, paper, scissors when you're with your spouse to decide on who gets to change the diaper. We have four children and my husband and I have been doing this for years. Let's just say this practice has strengthened our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Strengthened your marriage. You want to spruce up your marriage and make it more fun and lively? Do rock, paper, and scissors for who gets to change the dirty diaper. No, really. I, that's great. You know, I love it. Thank you for sharing. I don't recommend that game to decide who has to wake up with the baby in the middle of the night, though, because I could imagine some people throwing actual rocks or scissors in that scenario. <laughs> for sure. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Ginger, you mentioned atheists, and it made me think of a Psychology Today article I read recently entitled, Does It Take Faith to Be an Atheist? And the first line of the article is, uh, no. (laughs) So the entire article is this smug, self-righteous take on the popular expression that, you know, our listeners might have heard that it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. Here's what the author of that article says about it. And in my skeptical rejection of your theological answer, so he's talking about the Christian answer to how and why everything exists, I do not have faith in something else. I'm just humble and honest enough to accept my ignorance and accept that the origin of creation remains a deep mystery. End of quote. Okay, so I do respect that he acknowledges his ignorance of the deep mysteries of this world. Honestly, we're all ignorant to that. But... He seems to make an indirect jab there at those who profess faith in God. We're not humble or intellectually honest enough to accept our ignorance. Hmm. My point isn't to complain that this atheist believes what I would completely expect an atheist to believe. Rather, I want to point out that our children will hear some seemingly compelling arguments against our faith in God. Yep. Here's the enemy another, is crafty. He, he is, is crafty. Absolutely. And that's, that's pretty good. Yep. Well, here's another quote from that article. Many people say that it takes faith to be an atheist. No, it does not. Atheism is simply the lack of a belief in a God. And as for who or what created the universe, we atheists say, who knows? That is not faith. That is an admission of ignorance. Those who insist that it takes faith to not believe in God are not thinking clearly, and they do not understand the nature of faith, which is really surprising since their entire belief in God is based on it. And that's the end of the quote. Mm. So picture your child in school, you know, middle, high school, college, hearing an argument like that. Someone telling them that atheism is just uncertainty. You know, it's willingness to admit ignorance. It's humility. It's intellectually honest. That could seem really appealing to anyone who is searching. So, Ginger, if we want to encourage our children to put their trust in Jesus without delay, but... We don't want them to have a false sense of salvation by just repeating a prayer without a genuine conversion. Then I know our listeners are eager to hear practical ways we can find that balance. How can we demonstrate genuine faith to our kids in a day and time when their beliefs will be met with more and more resistance? Hmm. Well, we're going to come back next week and talk about (laughs) how we can do just that. Awesome. Thanks for leaving us hanging, Ginger. (laughs) Thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? 
Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubber.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubber.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubber.com. And Katie, let me just interrupt you and quickly add here that as far as specifically how to lead our children to Christ, I have two sections at the end of that book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, that are very helpful for that. One section is called How to Lead Your Child to Christ, and one is on How to Become a Christian, which actually walks you through Scripture as far as how to do that. That's right. So if you're looking for a Scripture-based, clear way to lead your child to Christ, again, you can get a 10% discount on Ginger's book, Don't Make Me Count to Three when you enter the code parenting at gingerhubber.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you listeners for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.